Good morning. Well, when I was young, I, uh, I told God, I, I want to serve you. Um, but I said, but I'm never, ever going to preach. So <laughs> maybe this is a sign of God's work in my life, or maybe just his sense of humor, I'm not sure. But, uh, but I am excited to, uh, to be chatting with you guys. I figured I, maybe I won't call it preaching, I'll just, just call it talking, and then I'll feel better about it. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Justin. I'm normally up here uh, playing guitar and singing, and I actually considered uh, maybe wearing the guitar. Just it, it brings me comfort, and I thought I'd be less nervous, but I don't know. Maybe that would look awkward if I was walking around with the guitar. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's open with prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll start with the message. Thank you, God, for... For your goodness, thank you that um, as we are as we are here um, in your presence and as we meet, that uh, that we can know with assurance that you are here, that you um, that you hear our worship, you hear our prayer, Father, and, and we also long to hear from you and to hear what your heart is for us, Father. We want to be um, guided by you, Lord. So, just as we as we open your Word this morning, I just pray that it would be you speaking, God and that you would just reveal yourself to us. Amen. Well, Nathan, um, he asked me if I'd be willing to preach one Sunday, and I I agreed with him. Uh, And so he asked what what I'd be interested in speaking about. And so I I thought about it for a while, and um, I was saying to him that that God revealed, um, has been revealing just the meaning of his covenants. And so I said, maybe something along those lines. And so he said, with this series of God is, he says, how about God is relational? And I thought, hey, that, that hits the nail on the head. Um, and so here, I'm going to grab Nathan's beautiful uh, illustration here. Because we'd, we'd probably miss the, uh, the, the balding rock here if, uh, if we don't bring that up. So I'm just going to bring that up. We've been talking about the attributes of God. And so these strings just symbolize many, many different attributes of, of, the, of the same God. And so this week, we're going to be talking about, about God as relational. Um, but if you can just go to the next slide. There's, there's something skewed if we look at God and don't look at all his attributes. And I think especially in media, both now and historically, sometimes it's easy to get this, this warped view of God if you detach, you know, some of God's characteristics with others. And, and it's not just recent media, but this has been going on for, for hundreds of years. And sometimes that can, um, we can lose the idea of, of who God is if we just look at a narrow aspect of, of who God is. Um, I just threw up a few examples, some, some even historical paintings, or I was thinking like the Divine Comedy, things like that, that talk about God in a certain light, and they tend to have an influence on, on us, and we can get this skewed perspective. Um, and there's one story in particular that I struggled with um, for years, and that's, that's the story right here that's portrayed in this, this painting. Um, that's the story of Abraham and Isaac. And so I thought I would share a story uh, about, about um, just what God showed 
me in, in, in light of that story, or at least the way, the way I've, um, anyway, the journey that I've taken. Uh, back when I was, I went to Bible school, and uh, there, was a, there was a course that we took um, where, where the students had to, had, we came up with presentations, a sor- certain ob- object lesson to demonstrate a, a biblical story or a biblical principle. Um, and I remember there was one group that, that chose this story, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Just um, if, if you guys aren't familiar with the story, there's a, there's a, a story in Genesis where, where God calls Abraham to sacrifice his only son, well, his, his son through Sarah, um, his son Isaac. And so Abraham goes up on the mountain with, with his son Isaac. He binds him up on the altar, and then God stops him from going through with it he prov- and provides a ram to be the sacrifice in its place. Now, what the group did for this, this illustration is, is they had, gave everyone a piece of paper and they had to write the name of someone, you know, the person you care about most. You had to write their name on this piece of paper. And then after that, um, they sent a basket around and said, if you'd be willing to sacrifice this person, put their name into the basket. Well, the, my, my classmate sitting next to me, his name was Shiggy, he, he showed me his, um, his paper, and he wrote my mom on there. And he, he looked at me and said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, I, at the time, I was like, hey, it's, it's just an object lesson. You don't have to mean it. Just put it in the basket. It's like, go through with it. And so what they did is they took them all up and they put them on this cutting board and took a knife and then lifted the cutting board so all the pieces of paper fell down and they stuck the knife in. And on the back of it was a picture of, or, of Jesus. And I struggled with that. I thought about that for a long time. I, and, and honestly, the fact that God provided the ram was often overshadowed in my mind by that God had asked Abraham to do this in the first place. And so um, that's, that's something I wrestled with, you know, what kind of God would even ask this. But then some, some years later, I was reading through the Bible, and um, I started to come across these passages um, where the Israelites actually at different points started sacrificing their children to idols. I think this was actually not that uncommon of a practice in the societies um, around where Abraham would have been. People would sacrifice their kids to idols all the time. And, and God has, has words that he says about that. Um, when Israelite, Israel started sacrificing, there's a passage in Jeremiah where he says, um, he says it's, it's not something that I commanded or decreed. He says it never even entered, entered my mind. God's view on child sacrifice appears to just be utter disgust with the practice. And I started to realize that as Abraham was taking his son up, Abraham probably was not actually that surprised by the request. He would have been exposed to this, likely. You know, this is, this is how people often connected with their gods. They would sacrifice their kids or have human sacrifice to connect with God. And so when Abraham goes up to the mountain, God is revealing something about himself. He's, he's revealing, I'm not like this God that, you, that your culture around you thinks that I am. I'm not a God who demands that you sacrifice your children for me. 
No, I'm different. I'm a God who is willing to come and provide the sacrifice. And that just astounded me. When, I, when, I, when that really hit me, the fact that God, um, that he was willing to meet us in our culture, in our messed up way of trying to connect with God, and he was willing to actually provide that sacrifice. That, that just blew me away. And so, there's, I think, another example in Abraham's life. Um, if you can pull up Genesis, the passage from Genesis 15. There is, um, well, before we read it, I'm just going to talk a little bit about, about covenant. What's a covenant? It, these days, I think we, we might think of it as a fairly religious word. But this was actually, again, I think a fairly common practice. If, if you were going to create a deep bond connection relationship with someone else, something where, where you were, you know, 100% connecting with them, they had, there was this cultural practice of, of creating a covenant, right? And so say I, I'm going to create a covenant with someone. This is, this is what people would do. Say if I was creating a covenant with, with um, Jeremy. And, I, and so what I would do is Jeremy and I would, would get some animals and we would we'd cut those animals in half. We'd lay one half here, one half there, and the blood of the animal would pool down into, into a, a, a stream. It was called the blood path. And, um, you know, maybe we'd have, we'd have a sword on our, on our belt, and we'd take, I would take my sword off, and I'd put it on, on Jeremy, and he'd take his sword off, he'd put it on me, and the meaning behind that was, you know, I've got your back, you've got my back. But then they would walk, they would take their sandals off and they would walk through this blood. And as they walked through the blood path, um, you know, that blood would be splashing up. And what, what that meant was, I turn my back on you, you can cut me in half like these animals. You turn your back on me, you can cut me in half. So God, God makes a promise to Abraham to... Um, to, you know, the promise of, of giving him descendants. And Abraham questions God. He says, how am I going to know, um, how am I going to know that, uh, I, here, I'll, well, I'll just read through it. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the, Chal- of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and a deep, terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they will serve, and afterward they shall come out with, a great, with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in, in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete." When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. 
On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants, I will give this land for, for the river of the Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. There I will meet with you, and above the mercy seat from between the two... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm reading on... To, this is another passage. Um, so, God, Abraham's like, how, how am I know you, that you're actually going to be true to your word? God. And so God says, bring me, bring me a heifer and goats. And so Abraham brings them. And, and, and God never has to give him instructions as, as to what to do. Abraham knows. This is something that, that people do, right? He knows what to do. He, he cuts them in half. He gets it all ready. He knows that God is, is, has agreed to make a covenant with him. In this, what a brutal form of, uh, of connection, right? But this is how people connected back then. They would, they would make this agreement of covenant. And so Abraham knew exactly what to do. It was not some foreign concept. It was something very familiar to him. And so he, he goes through with his practice. But then it says a deep darkness fell on him. I think at that, at that point, maybe it clicked to Abraham. He's like, whoa, am I willing to do this? If I step in there, maybe thought if I step into that blood path at that moment, I'm a dead man because I, I can't keep my end of the covenant. But God put him into a deep sleep and God passed through the blood path on his own, right? It says the, the flaming torch and the, the smoking pot, those, um, there's different ideas of, of what exactly those represent, but those, those represent God walking through. And so he essentially takes both sides of that covenant. He says, I turn my back on you, you can cut me. You turn your back on me, you can cut me. Right? And that's in, in that covenant we know was fulfilled when, when Christ came. And, and so again, just this idea that God met Abraham in his culture, in the way that people connected with each other, and he was willing to come and connect in, in this this way of covenant that, that was practiced back then. And so it, it, there's a pattern throughout Scripture. And so we're talking about um, God's relation. And, and I was looking f- for a passage. Um, Nathan was asking what my key passage was, and it was hard to pick one because really this whole book from start to finish is a story of, of God's relation with people. And so... I figured I'd really just focus in on, on the covenants that he made because that's one of the deepest and most profound ways that he connects with us as, as humans. He made, so he made this covenant with Abraham. Abraham's family grew, became a whole nation. And that nation, after being enslaved in Egypt, we know that God showed up and demonstrated his power, um, again, debunking their ideas of, of gods, right? Egypt had all these different gods and in Maybe you know the story of how God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. And so now they know, hey, God is powerful. He's, he's all-powerful, right? He's more powerful than any of these smaller gods that we believed in. And so he's demonstrating his character. And there's a point where Moses, the leader of the Israelites, goes up onto a mountain and he meets with God. And God starts forming a new covenant with this, this, um, this nation of Israel. And I'm going to read that, read a small, small portion um, out of Exodus here. So God t- instructs them to create this, um, 
this, this box, this Ark of the Covenant. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's going to house that covenant that he's creating with the nation of Israel, right? This, this covenant that they're creating. And so on, on, the, 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 on the cover of this box, um, the cover's called uh, the mercy seat. He says there, I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Covenant, I will deliver, deliver to you all my commands for the Israelites. Um, if you can show the picture. So there's a box. And God is showing the Israelites that he's not some God that's distant. He's willing to come down. He's willing to meet with them. And this just blows my mind. God is willing to, to dwell in a box to meet and to be with his people. And so everywhere they go, they are to take this, this, this Ark of the Covenant with them. And God's presence is going to be there with them in this box. And so, uh, so he makes this covenant with Moses. And Moses experiences God's walk with him, the relation, right? He meets, the Bible says he meets face to face with him. And so <clears throat> later when he's passing on the leadership to, to uh, Joshua, and he, and he starts in, instructing Joshua or, or kind of passing, passing on what he's to do. Um, the words that he shares with Joshua is, he says, he will never leave you or forsake you. He's not just quoting some words that he got out of a book. This is Moses who, through his life, has seen and has known that God is meeting and walking with him. And so he can say from his own experience, God's never going to leave you or forsake you, right? He's, he's spent many years now journeying with God, experiencing this relationship that God has. And so, um, so the Israelites, as we know, they, they don't hold up their end of the covenant, right? They break God's laws. Same as from the very beginning with Adam, right? We just mess up as people. <laughs> we're no different from the Israelites, right? God, God gives us some things that he wants us to do, and, and, and we botch it. But God keeps meeting them. And so, so there's, a, there's a passage in Ezekiel that I want, want to look at. Um, Ezekiel chapter 37. There's a story, or there's a, there's a passage where he's showing, he's showing Ezekiel basically how he's going to bring, bring back this, the valley of bones, right? There's these dry bones, and, and God's going to bring life back into them. But then he talks about this new covenant that he's going to make. And I want to focus in on a couple of verses here at the end of that passage, um, verse 26 and 27. And God says um, through, through the prophet Ezekiel, he says, I will... Make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will bless them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary among them forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He says, My sanctuary shall be among them, my dwelling place shall be with them. How incredible is it that this cosmic, great, all powerful God? is willing to dwell with us, right? He, he has this promise of dwelling with, with us forevermore. It's an everlasting covenant. 
And, and the thing is, it's, this is not something that's hard to relate to, right? We all have this longing, this desire built inside of us to connect with God. And, and you see it everywhere. I mean, even thinking of, of this, this practice of child sacrifice, right? How, what must drive someone to be willing to sacrifice their child, right? This, whether it be a desire to connect or just this desire to appease some great force, people go to great lengths to try and strive to connect with God. But see, God, God what he keeps speaking to us is, is, I'm not some God who's way out there who you have to do crazy things like sacrifice your children to connect with me. He just, he is always longing for connection. Um, my wife and I spend some time in, in Japan, and I would see there people, there's things in nature that inspire us, and, and there's something about, something about it that you can see this is, this is awe-inspiring, you know, this, this desire to worship. And so you would see a great tree, and there would be a shrine in front of the tree, or at the base of Mount Fuji, there was a big, great shrine um, to, to the mountain or to the spirit of the mountain. There's this, there's something in nature that shows us, hey, there's something more than just ordinary, Right? This, and, and I think we all have this longing, all have this desire to, to connect with God. Um, and that's really where, where worship comes in. We were created to worship. And, and we, I know we often talk about the songs we sing is worship. And some of them, there are elements of worship. A lot of them are more prayer than worship. But worship is response to, to what God has put in this world around us, what God has, has given us inside of us. Um, I was always fascinated by the way Jesus, when he came, he would tell these parables and these stories, and, and, and I always thought, wow, how incredible that he could pull these things out of the culture around him to tell these object lessons, right? Like, for example, like the parable of the mustard seed, he would talk about something that was familiar to them, and he would tell uh, people about his kingdom by, you know, a practical object lesson. But one day it clicked to me. In, in John, it says that uh, all things were created through Christ. So then I realized Jesus wasn't just pulling these examples out of the culture around him. Jesus created these examples. Jesus didn't just find a seed and use that. Jesus literally created the seed. He, every huge oak or great cedar that grows, grows from a tiny little seed, right? God, from the very beginning, knew that he was, he was going to share this example. He has planted something in this world for us all to see his character, right? Um, that's a good example of how God, God loves to work through small things. You know, with God's power, he can take something small, make it great. Um, so you start looking at things that way, and you realize, you look around, and you, God's character and his, his relation to us is everywhere. It's not, not something that you have to strive to find. We just have to open our eyes and, and see it. Um, one of the ways that, um, that God really talks about his relationship, um, he, he often talks about his relationship with us as a, as a parent. He talks about us as his children, or he talks about us as a spouse, Right? And, it, and as I was preparing this, it, I started thinking about it, and I realized when God made humans, he could have made us to, 
to reproduce in any way, right? Where do babies come from? Uh, I, <laughs> I, well, <laughs> he could have made us like ferns, right? So that little spores fall off into the ground and up come babies, right? He could have, <laughs> could have made it any vast number of ways for people to reproduce, but he, he made it so that we have a spouse, right? It, it, and then with, from, from a father and a mother comes a child. And right in the very creation of humanity, he, he starts describing to us the relationship that he wants to have with us, right? You, you with, with your spouse, you know, or maybe before, before you meet them, right? He, he, he created us so that you see someone and your heart throbs and all you want is to be with them. God made us that way, right? That's, he's showing us through this example by the very nature and the way he created us that he wants and longs to be with us. The, the illustration of, of the spouse is used a lot, right? I think of, of um, there's the book of Hosea and, and he pretty closely illustrates even just the kind of spouse that, that the nation of Israel was. Or the, I think, again, we can put ourselves into that example, but he marries this unfaithful woman, and when he finds her lying in her vomit, he, he brings her home, he washes her up, and he says, come home, right? This is God's illustration of his relationship with us. A child, man, having a kid has taught me so much about God, you realize when you have a kid, it's like suddenly your heart is just out there walking around outside your body, all vulnerable and exposed, right? <clears throat> but that's, again, God's re- God shows us his relationship, his love for us is like a parent in their love for a child. Um, again, sometimes they this lie that God is distant or he's, he's hard to connect with, really all you need to do is stop and look around. God, is, God reveals himself to us in so many ways. Just stop, stop and take a breath with me for a minute. It's God who gives us the very power to, to pull air into our lungs and to ex- exhale, right? That's God's relationship with us. He is giving us life every moment. You look around and you see colors, you know, the way the light's spilling in and, and there's a reflection on the wall and we see red and yellow and orange. Well, he made those, but he also gave us the eyes and the receptors to take these things in. What a loving God with all the things that he's given us and the ways we can experience and enjoy the world around him, right? Our, his, what a relationship that we can have in any given moment if we just stop and are aware of, of God and how he created us. Then we come to the new covenant. In Jeremiah, in Jeremiah um, chapter 31, again, he's speaking of, of the new covenant. And, and in verse 34, he says, No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. There's this promise that no one's going to have to teach each other, but, but they will know the Lord. 
And then we look at Jesus and the way he came and he walked, walked with his disciples. And, and after he had been with his disciples for a while, um, Jesus starts explaining how he's the way to the Father. And, and Philip says, says to him, he says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And then Jesus says to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you don't know me? He, he walked with his disciples, right? He, he had a relationship with them. And his desire was, was that they would know him. Just like um, the verse that Gene was reading earlier, right? He, he, he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. We're invited into a friendship with God. How astounding is that? That we can, we can be friends with, with Creator who made the mountains and the stars, universes, like cosmic and powerful beyond our imagination, and yet, yet he's, He walks with us and, and gives us the relation of a friend. And so then, when he, so then when he sits down with his disciples and, and there's the famous scene, you know, the Last Supper where, where he is with his disciples and then he takes, takes the cup and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And this probably will have reminded the disciples of a wedding ceremony. I was looking up the, the blessing over the wine in, in Jewish wedding ceremonies. And uh, the description that I found was the couple drinks from a shared cup of wine, a symbol of joy in Jewish tradition to represent the life that they will share and create together. And so Jesus, Jesus meets them and, and he, he takes up the cup, just like a groom would. And he says, this is the covenant in my new blood. This new covenant, that's like a spouse saying to his wife, come, share in my joy. This is the life we're going to spend together, right? It's such a beautiful image to me that Jesus is, is inviting us into this relationship with him. So as we know, the old covenant, that consequence is fulfilled, right? Jesus, Jesus is the one who, who ends up sacrificing himself. He gives himself on the cross. And when that, when that old covenant is fulfilled, now we look at, up to this point, God's presence with the Israelites, his presence was in this Ark of the Covenant, right? He was dwelling with them in this box, and at that moment, his presence leaves. No, never again to be in that Ark of the Covenant. Right? The, the curtain, there was this curtain that was separating, and that curtain ripped, and God's presence left. And what happened is God's presence, as, as it says in Ezekiel, his, his, that his sanctuary would be with us, his presence now is no longer in this box. His presence was now to be inside each and every person who, who um, will, will create a home for him in the side of them, right? God now is dwelling inside of his, his followers. So now, 
I just want to just want to read through, um, kind of to close off. I want to read through that passage in Ezekiel one more time, just understanding that that this covenant is is here and it's available, and this is this is what what God's desire is. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will bless them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary among them forevermore. This God is, our God is not a distant God. We have to strive to the heavens to try and reach him. We have to go through gruesome, terrible methods of trying to connect or to appease him. He's a God who desires, who wants to walk with us. And he even was willing to meet humanity in our grime, in the mess of our customs and practices and, and in our inability, inability to, to fulfill our side of the bargain, and yet he pleased to dwell amongst us. I hope that, that we can just remember and just realize that, that we don't have, have to look far. He's, he's right here. He's right with us, right here, right now. We're not talking about something hypothetical. We're talking about here in this room, our very breath are, is, is from him. He is always with us if we are, are, are opening our eyes to see him. I'm just going to close in prayer, and, um, and Shaw's going to come up and, and close us off with a song. God Almighty, It's so awesome to me that you are a God who, who's willing to connect with us. That you're not, not separate or apart or far above high in the heavens and, and a God who we can't know, who we can't relate to, God. But you're a God who, who when we call to you in prayer, you hear us we just open our eyes to see the world you created and in all the, the senses that you gave us to see it and to enjoy it, we can see your love. We can see your desire to, to have a relationship with us, God. You were even pleased to, to draw us in as a, as a spouse, draws in a bride, Father. I just, I'm so grateful that you that you connect with us, Lord. So I just pray that no one would leave here today, God, feeling that you are far off, but that we would just all know that you are, that you are here and that, that we, we can just call to you, God, and that you hear us, that you, that you answer, Lord. Help our eyes to be open to you. We love you, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.